Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33 through 36. Matthew 12, 33 through 36. Um, I'm doing a topical series, and I like expository series where you go through the whole book, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So I was a little reluctant when the Lord told me, and I can just admit this, that um, He wanted me to, there's one other too, obedience. He wanted me to do a topical series on the measure of your life in God's eyes or how to evaluate your life in God's perspective. Amen? And that's what really counts. It don't matter what people think. It's what God knows about us. And the first week, you measure your life by love. By, their, by your love, they'll know. Them. And then the second week, I believe it was on joy. Uh, you know, we ought to have joy. Does anybody ought to have joy? This, this virus shouldn't sap us. Uh, this um, craziness in the streets shouldn't defeat us. Amen. I still think we ought to get to the altar and not to the streets. Praise God. Because uh, he'll set you free. Amen. I don't, I'm not going to touch that. I, I'd like to preach against ropes on garages, but I'm not going to do it. But anyway, um, you know, humility is another point. We need to, we're done by our humility. I mean, uh, you must decrease that he might increase. Uh, we're, we're known by intercession and communion. Um, and so we've been one, two, three, four, five, and then obedience, six. This is the seventh week on uh, Evaluate Your Life. And tonight, this goes right along with the couples retreat that I'm preaching at, uh, or teaching at 10 o'clock. Me we measure our life by our words. By our words. I don't know about you, but uh, I can tell a lot of, about people by how they say what they say. Uh, sometimes my tone's not right at home. And I'll say, well, I love you. And I remember uh, Brother Tony, hope he's not listening. Brother Tony had always, Miss uh, Stacy called five or six times, and I, he'd always say, well, Stacy, I love you. Stacy, I love you. What he was saying is, I got to go hang up. You know, I said, you, did you say that right, Brother Tony? He said, well, not exactly, but I'll make up for it when I get home. Amen. But, you know, we say a lot, but do we mean it? But I believe with all my heart, these verses will tell you that by your words, by your words, you can identify and measure your heart, your thought life, what really comes from the heart. Look at this. Verse 33 says, neither make the tree good, either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now listen to this. Old generation of vipers, how can we being evil speak, speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I think we ought to stop right here and I'll come to the altar. Amen. I've got under conviction just reading that verse. Because what's in your heart comes out your mouth. Amen. Now look at this. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth good things. And the evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word. The Greek word's arkos. Which means just plain wasteful words. Idle words that men shall speak. They shall be given account thereof in the day of judgment. 
at the judgment seat of Christ, somehow, some way, the angels are recording everything we say. And we're going to give account of it. And all God's people said, oh, me. <laughs> Come on, amen. Let's be honest. And I'm talking about the home. I'm talking about the marriage. I'm talking about your relationship. And folks, listen, the Word of God repeatedly emphasizes that God measures your life by your words. And often your speech is the most obvious and accurate measure of the reality and the depths of your Christian character. I'm sorry to say, but a lot of us counsel everything that we say we are by what we say. What you are constantly reveals what you, uh, is revealed by what you say. The flow of words of a person, especially during relaxed, unguarded, private moments. I'm not talking about this stuff like preaching, because we all plan on preaching good words. I'm not talking about witnessing. I'm talking about your casual, everyday conversation with your wife or with your children. That is your true self. We measure ourselves by our love. We measure ourselves by our joy. We measure ourselves by our prayer life, our communion. We measure ourselves by our humility. But God says we can measure ourselves by our words. Whew. It's been hard lately to not say a lot of things because I am so sick and tired of what's happening in this world. It is so tragic. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. You can just call me a redneck if you want to, but I don't believe we ought to destroy our history. I don't. I think we ought to learn from our history. Amen? And uh, it's not a matter of what life matters. It's a matter of people that are against authority and against uh, what God says about marriage. There's, a, well, there's an undercurrent of this stuff, and the LBGT is having a, having a heyday with all this junk, and so it's wicked. It's wicked. Don't you be a part of it. And I, folks, we ought to just be a part of depths and, and, and loving and strengthening. And now I've heard of churches splitting and splattering, and some are not going to make it through this pandemic. And God makes it very clear that His Word is closely noticed, or your words are closely noticed and rec recorded in the Word of God and in the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, <clears throat> number one, and you need to go ahead and start, Brother Cody, I'll catch up with you. But um, we need to realize we need to invest more words of honor and blessing in the lives of others. And I believe with all my heart, when we do that, God will bless you. He'll fill your heart to do, overflow more. The Bible says in Matthew, excuse me, Psalms um, chapter, I mean, Proverbs chapter 18, it's been a very long day. Probably been a long life for me, but it's been a long day. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4. Now, I know you that went on the couples retreat, you're going to say, you, you dealt with this at the couples retreat. Well, forgive me. That's been four months ago. And I sure am glad we got it in. Wasn't that a great time? I'm telling you, I just enjoyed that so much. But the Bible says, the words of a man's mouth are as a deep waters. That means it comes within. It's a wellspring. And the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. I want to tell you, you go up to Gatlinburg, and you've got to rent a cabin, you're going to pay twice as much money for the cabin that's next to the flowing brook. There's somebody, everybody wants to be next to water. 
you know? Uh, the other day, my wife said, boy, I wish we could get out of town. I said, well, look, there's a drainage ditch right there, and when it's full, it reminds me of a river. Let's just go out and listen to it. That didn't work. But anyway, I'm just saying, <laughs> folks, God help us to realize that our words are refreshing. Our words can be invigorating, and our words can be life. Look at verse 21. Are you with me? Proverbs 18, you with me now? How many of you wives would say your husband needs this message tonight? Don't, don't raise your hand. Look at uh, uh, verse 21. Miss Ashley was smiling a lot back there. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Did you hear me? In other words, you can kill the atmosphere of your home in five seconds with disrespect with nagging and fussing and fighting and negativity, you can kill it. And you ever been in a, 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 a home, all of a sudden, the, the, it seems like the air's drained out of the, uh, out of the building because the bear came home and started huffing and puffing because somebody had slept in his bed. <laughs> Amen, that's not a good illustration. But anyway, look at, look at it, it says, life, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Woo! I mean, friend, your, your, your tongue, your words should measure your heart of love towards your family. Life's too short to live with fussing and fighting. Can somebody say amen? I was raised in that. Mom and daddy not only fussed and fight, they hit each other and stayed up all night trying to uh, sober him up. And, and it was terrible. It was wicked. And, and I was a nervous wreck. I stuttered for the first three years of school. Had to go to special class because it just made me a nervous wreck. And so, folks, listen, life. Uh, number one, uh, words can encourage and edify. Encourage and edify. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. And my time's already up, but you know I'm going to take a little extra time because we had two preachers, and that was a good message, brother. Thank you. And I know you prepared. But look at Ephesians chapter um, 4, and I want you to look at verse 29, and I want you to look at verse 30 real quick. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Um, look at Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse 29. Let no, <clears throat> listen now, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The word corrupt means rotten. And it says, but that which is good to the use of what? Edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Your greatest ministry, now listen to me, your greatest ministry is your home. Your greatest ministry is your wife. Your greatest ministry is your husband. And I'm going to tell you something, you can kill it with non-edifying, non-ministering grace, corrupt communication. Why? Well, um, secondly, uh, it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Folks, I want to tell you, the, the, we can grieve or, or we can please the Spirit by what we say. How about that? This is in context now. Verse 29 said, let no corrupt communication proceed of your mouth, but have a ministry of grace. Then it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Parents, what breaks your heart more than anything? When your siblings fuss and fight. I had twins on my birthday. We just celebrated it. They're 37. I'm 69. It's 
It's been a long life, been a good one. But I want to tell you something, I was shocked when Stephen and Stephanie didn't get along. I was appalled that they'd come out of the same womb. One was, uh, one was born 13 minutes, 18. 18 minutes before Stephanie, and she always reminded Stephen that she was 18 minutes older. And she tried to usurp authority over him. It didn't work. And they'd fuss. Now they love each other now, and they don't live but a few blocks away, and they're serving the same church, and that's amazing to me. But uh, there's never a cross word. You know why? They don't live together. But no, listen. Listen to me now. It's all right to smile once in a while, but grieve not the Spirit of God by your words. The Spirit of God can be grieved like a father is grieved towards a child that can't get along with another child. God's grieved when we cannot make our marriage a ministry of grace. Number three, Brother Joel or Brother Cody, whoever's putting the outline up, we need to see that it shows who is in control. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Ephesians 4.15, the Bible says, But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head of even Christ. The Bible says, Speak the truth in love. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. The only way you can speak the truth in love is be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Word. And, folks, I want to tell you something. It's powerful when you speak the Word in love. When you preach in love. Why? When you rebuke in love. I've had several counseling sessions lately and they weren't going too good. And, you know, tears helped the counseling session. And brokenness helped the counseling session. I'm talking about on my part. And I began to weep and pray and, 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 and express how much I loved the person that I was trying to counsel. They would not receive the counsel at that moment because I don't like to counsel on the phone because you can over-talk each other. And when you counsel personally, you can just slap each other and get over with. No, not really. And, uh, and, and, and man, it just seemed like when we started expressing our love towards each other, that God, the Holy Spirit, brought our hearts and knitted our hearts what's really important. I'm telling you, love, love heaps coals of fire upon your enemy's heart, much less your loved one's heart. Can I just teach you just a little while the folks, it shows you who's in control because when the Holy Spirit's in control, there's love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness. Amen. And so, folks, let me just say this. We need to invest our words uh, and, and, and honor and blessing. And we need to realize that uh, God, the Holy Spirit, wants us to have a measurement in God's eyes of sweetness. And kindness, but at the same time, when it takes it, firmness and straightforwardness and speaking the truth in love. I appreciate Brother Wesley's um, demeanor when he preaches, but at the same time, I always tell him, hey, listen, you preach it hard, but preach it in love. Because if you ever lose the love, they won't listen to you. If you ever lose where you don't really care, but you're just going to rebuke them and straighten them all out at the age of how old are you? 18, 19, 20. You're too short for 20. 19, amen, 20. Uh, you know, you ain't got the right to straighten everybody out. But praise God, the Word does. And you can preach it with authority and not apologize to it as long as your heart's full of love for the people you're preaching to. I learned that the hard way. 
Number two, Brother Cody, we got to move on now. And uh, I don't have my uh, keynotes, so I'm going to depend on you to uh, stay a little ahead. But I want you to know not only do you need to invest in the words, but you need to have see that words have great potential. Words have great potential for eternity. I want to say this, number, number B, is you can't take your words back. They live on in their influence. Have you ever thought about you wish you hadn't said that? I'll never forget one time I was texting the ladies that wanted to have a yard sale. Uh, we got some yard sale fanatics in this church, praise God. I kind of like yard sales myself. I get some good deals. Let me tell you about them sometime. And um, I remember um, I said, we're going to shoot for, for September 29th at 9 o'clock. Well, that stupid spell check changed shoot to something else. And I looked at that text and it was gone. And I wanted to grab that text. And then I text those ladies that was inquiring about that and I said, you know I don't cuss. They all text back, yes you do. No, no, they don't. And, uh, and, and they said, preacher, we know, we know spell check. But have you ever text somebody and you wish you could take it back? And I want to tell you something, friend. I've said some things that I wish I'd have said, I better think about that. I better pray about that. <laughs> Amen? Come on now. I'm just saying words have a great potential for eternity. They live on. And words can be used for God. Hallelujah. God has given us breath to grow across these vocal cords. It produces words. It's a miracle that we can talk. Brother uh, Austin cannot get above a whisper right now. It breaks his heart because he's always bossing people around. He's always got ideas. He's always preaching. And I know it's driving him nuts that he can't, all right, let's do it. Let's go do this. Let's, you know, let's raise some more money for the missions. And he has to whisper. And he has to think real long before he says anything. And so, folks, listen, don't waste your words on negativity. In Genesis chapter 3, and I'll just summarize this because Brother Wesley did a wonderful job dealing with this. But I want to tell you something. The reason they were hiding behind the bush is because they didn't think their sin was so bad and they were going to try to cover their sin with their apron of good works. But I want to tell you what caused them to fall. Yea, hath God said, words from Satan. If you don't believe God, the God of this world, the devil will use words, you got another thought coming. The Bible says in James chapter 3, they're set on fire from hell and nobody can tame them. No one. Read it sometime. John 8, 44 says the, the, the devil is the father of all what? Lies. And folks, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. I got to read this. Would you go to Proverbs 6, 16, please? Proverbs 6, 16. The Bible says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto him. It makes God sick. So let's go down to the seventh sin in this list. Let's look at verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Did you hear that? He said, it is abomination to God. He hates it, but the seventh thing on this list, he really hates. 
and he makes him sick and his stench in the nostrils of a living God. And that's people that sow discord among God's people. And I want to tell you something, friend. You can do it in your home. and You can talk yourself out of a blessing on the way to church. Life's too short to listen to the devil's lies. Life's too short to get in the flesh right before you get to church fussing with the kids over socks and shoes, God bless America, or whatever they're do they've done wrong that afternoon, and, and not worship the living God, and not be able to pray for people that have cancer, Miss Rose, and people that are dying, and people that are they're lost and going to a devil's hell, Brother, brother uh, um, Hayden and Brother Wesley and all you young people. Folks, it's a shame to have any sin in our life that would cause us not to be able to pray for the lost. And sometimes words get in the way. Words can be, number one, hasty words. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 20. I love the book of Proverbs. I take a lot of the retreat time dealing with this, and I'll do it at 10 o'clock tonight. It's 7 o'clock their time, so they're not late birds. But in uh, Proverbs 29, verse 20, the Bible says, seeing that a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. That's why you ought to think about what you say. And you ought to think about the consequences. Then you ought to realize, is it true? Is it honest? Is it inspiring? Is it needed? And is it kind? Think. Y'all know the acrostic. I don't have to spell it out. Rash words. Look at Proverbs 13.3, please. Proverbs 13.3. You with me? How many love the Word of God? Say amen. Proverbs how many believe the Word of God is more important than your word? And more important than my illustrations, more important than my jokes, more important than my sermon outline. The Word of God will change your life. Look at uh, Proverbs 13.3, please. It says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. You know, when God started laying this message on my heart about two weeks ago, I didn't know that I'd be dealing with communication on Tuesday night before, last night at 10 o'clock, and tonight at 10 o'clock. See, God knows all this timing. And I think He really wants me to bring it to heart tonight that our heart can speak words that we shouldn't, and therefore our family can be devastated because of our words that should not be spoken. So there's hasty words, there's rash words, and also there's words that, that are harsh, just harsh. Have you ever said harsh words to anybody? No, I'm perfect. Well, straighten your halo up and listen to this. It says in Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in an argument and you tried to get louder than the other person? And then you tried to get longer than the other person? Hey, have you, ever, have you ever been in an argument and you wouldn't stop arguing? I'm very guilty of that. My wife says, I think it's settled. In other words, she's right, I'm wrong, let's forget it. No, not really. And, you know, we just keep on, Brother Randy. Amen? We just keep on. We're not the witness anymore. We're the prosecuting attorney. We're going to get this point across. And we're going to do it till midnight comes, praise God. And we drive everybody away from us. Harsh words. But thank God, folks, a soft answer turneth away much wrath. 
You ought to listen as much as you speak. Amen. I'm preaching to myself. Don't look at me cross-eyed. And then the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, that words can even separate best friends. How many has got a bestie? I think that's what they call it, isn't it? A best friend? I don't know what. Is it called? Be I don't know what. Betsy, I don't know what it's called. But anyway, your best friends. You know, that's your best friend. But I want to tell you something. Words can separate best friends. Words can separate husband and wife. Words can separate uh, children from parents. Say amen, especially when they grow up and get rebellious and think they know more than you do. But look at this. Proverbs 17 and verse 9, the Bible says this. It says, He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the manner separateth very friends. I want to tell you what that word means. Best friends. You can lose your best friend. By the way, men, you can win an argument and lose your wife. Come on, say amen. You can win an argument and lose your best friend. Sometimes I want to win an argument no matter what, and then I lose my friend, and I lose my testimony. And then I want you to see words on the positive side in the book of Proverbs real quick. Proverbs 15, verse 23, one of my favorite verses. The Bible says this, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. Amen. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something that you knew helped somebody? Now, what's the feeling? It's like a preacher preaching a message and everybody responds and amen, hallelujah, praise God, come to the altar. But lives are changed. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like going knocking on the door and winning souls, Brother Chris, and somebody gets saved and passed from death into life. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing like timely words, how good they are, and a word fitly spoken in due season. That means you're timely. You know when to say what you need to say. And you say it in the right tone. Number three, we have timely words. We have healing words. We have, Brother Cody, go ahead because uh, I don't have him outlined. Now, I did write this outline on the wall. Don't think he's writing it for me. Brother Cody, good outline. Praise God. No, we see in Proverbs 25, verse 11, that we have words aptly spoken. Look at Proverbs 25, verse 11. I'm talking about the book of wisdom now. I'm talking about the book of wisdom. Proverbs 29, verse 11, the Bible says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitcher of silver. There's no beautiful more beautiful picture then you have something fitly spoken, aptly spoken. It's just wonderful that the Lord can use your tongue to edify, to motivate, and to uh, uh, be fruitful and be pleasant. And that brings me to the last point. There's pleasant words. Pleasant words. You ever been around a person you just like to be around? Now, I will tell you this, and I'm going to say this to the young singles here. The, mo the greatest way to be attractive is not with your Mary Kay and not with your hair color. I ain't got enough hair to color. But it's not with your Pepsi Net smile and letting your parents spend $6,000 on your little braces. That's good, and I think everybody ought to try to straighten their teeth. But I want to tell you what's most attractive. It's when a person has pleasant words. 
And that old adage, boy, she's got a good personality. He's got a good personality. That goes a long ways. Nobody likes to fellowship with a sourpuss. Amen? Nobody likes to fellowship with the witch that comes in on the broom. Nobody likes to fellowship with the bear that comes home from work and unloads every problem that he has on the job on the wife. feel like I'm at a couple's retreat. Hallelujah, we all need it. Even you that are not couples yet, prepare yourself. One of the ways that you can be so attractive is be pleasant and encouraging. Not a gossip, not negative, not harsh, not critical. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit knows how to straighten people out if we let them. Amen. We don't have to be Miss Holy Spirit. We don't have to be Mr. Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. And he can flat humble you. I know a whole church of people that's been humbled. I mean humbled. I was going to preach there in two weeks in the council of the meeting. I was going to preach on humility. God has a way of allowing some junk. And you can't say God didn't allow this or you're, you're, uh, you're, you're threatening the sovereignty of God. But he, he has allowed this to humble America. And what's our response? We're going to shake our fist at God and go in the streets and burn the monuments and burn the flag? No, we ought to be rushing to the house of God, falling on our knees, falling at the altar and saying, God, forgive our nation. Where was I? Oh, pleasant words. Don't go there yet. Pleasant words. Proverbs 16, verse 21. Look at it. Proverbs 16, 21. Say amen right there, Graham. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 21, the Bible says, The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Amen. People don't know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Come on. Some people come in there and slap the Bible on the teacher's podium and says, Bless God, I'm going to straighten all you junior boys out. No, you're not, because they're not going to listen to you, because your hateful attitude. You go in there and say, hey, boys, just want to let you know I love you. And I proved it because I came by your house this week. And I had a Bible study in the front yard. And I gave you a little gift. And I didn't mean to do it to bribe you, but I love you. And I've given you the Word of God, and I'll give you a Bible study if you need it. And I'm available 24-7. You've got their attention. Because you know what the world needs? They need somebody to love them. They need a daddy figure because they ain't got one. And so, folks, the Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 24, listen real quick, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. I got I to gotta skip the gracious words, but I'll just read it, Proverbs 22, verse 11, because I want to get to my conclusion of the whole matter. The Bible says, he that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall be, made, be his friend. Amen. Everybody wants to go sue the governor. I don't understand why. I think he's one of the best governors that we could ever have. And he's never told this church to do one thing. Never. He suggested a few things, but we can do what we want to. We're an independent fundamental Baptist church. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you're, you approach a governor, right, or a king, then he, you got his attention and you even become friends. There's a way of approaching people. And so I want to close, Brother Cody, 
In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul says that there's empty words. Proverbs, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. I don't believe that we ought to waste any words. Thank God, Brother Wesley, you didn't waste a word up here. Praise God. You, you laid it on the line did it quick. I want to see the next preacher do it that quick. And it's hard to. You study about six months and the preacher gives you ten minutes. That's unreal. Good night. Better not give me ten minutes. There's a camp meeting up the road and they give you 15 minutes to preach. I ain't going there. I can't even introduce the text in 15 minutes. Somebody else can preach 15 minutes. But anyway, these young people, you better thank God for your 15 minutes that you stretched to 15. Amen. That's right. But look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Ephesians 5, 6. Just kidding. Some of you hadn't laughed yet or smiled. I can't tell if you're smiling. You ought to write a, if you're going to wear those masks, at least you can put a smile on it. Amen. Just a big old happy face would be wonderful. But look at Ephesians 5, 6. It says, let no man deceive you with vain words. You know what vain means? Empty. Folks, if you can't say something good about somebody, don't say anything. Amen. And I'll tell you something, friend. We got more people that are criticizing the president than I've ever seen in my life. And I wish that everybody would pray for him as much as they criticize him. And that's what we're commanded to do. See, there you go, political again. I didn't say nothing about politics. I'm talking about praying for your president. And if you was in his place, you'd need prayer. Most of you would already run. Words can be empty, careless, foolish, critical, but words can be thoughtful and considerate and caring and loving, good and prayerful and holy. Children of Israel, the sin that the Lord rebuked the most was grumbling. I hope we never get to that point that we grumble about each other and grumble about this and grumble about that. And Miriam, Israel measured Miriam as a great woman and according to Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 15, she was struck down with leprosy because she was jealous and she used critical words towards Moses. I didn't make that up. I didn't write it. Numbers 12, 1 through 15, says that Miriam was struck down with leprosy. In the New Testament, love covers a multitude of sin, 1 Peter 4, 8. But carnal hearts expose and, and repeats a multitude of faults about other people. God is word conscious. Are you? I believe that God measures your life more by the 10 critical words spoken by a husband, a wife, a friend, than a thousand words of somebody that publicly prepares a great speech. Because anybody can do that. Amy Carmichael, a great lady of the past, not the, the contemporary Carmichael, she said this, the absent are always safe among us. Let me repeat that. The absent is always safe among us. In other words, I'm not going to talk about them. God measures our words, whether they're hasty, rash, harsh, timely, pleasant, gracious. And folks, I want to close with giving you seven questions. I'm just going to read them. And you can examine your life. And this is longer than we've ever went on Wednesday night, but I feel like we can loosen up a little. And I wish Master Club was going on so I could go to 8.30 every, every Wednesday night. 
But number one, how many times does the Spirit prompt you to speak to someone or guide you to speak to words of blessings? Think about it. How many times does the Spirit prompt you to seek out someone and guide you to speak somebody with some blessings, with some encouragement? Number two, what percentage of your words are loving, helpful, and encouraging to others? What percentage? It's all about 50%. It's not good enough. In a Christian, it'll be about 90%. Probably ought to be 100%, but we're not going to ever make that till heaven. Number three, what percent of your comments about other people are positive and appreciative rather than negative? I'm going to tell you something. If you get in that habit young, you'll never get out of it. You'll never get out of it. You'll be trapped in the critical, cynical, sorry attitude towards others. And that would be sad because that's pharisaical. And what we need to be is Christ-like. I don't see Christ slamming everybody. I see Christ caring for them. When the woman was taken in adultery, even, and he, he doodled in the sand, they said, I wonder what he wrote in that sand. Somebody said, I think it was all the accuser's sin. We don't know what it was. He was probably just buying time because then he got up and said, hey, listen, any of you without fault cast the first stone. I can hear the stones dropping to the ground. Because all those men were sinners. Number four, what percentage of your conversations are cheerful? Amen. Everybody smiled then, praise God. What percentage? Full of faith. Hey, full of hope, inspiring rather than gloomy, fearful, and hesitant. I refuse to let this climate, this virus, and this violence drain the joy out of my life. I'm just not going to do it. I told somebody this week, I said, hey, listen, I'm not going to let this get me down. Because if I get down, then I'll get out. And I can't afford to quit. Not that I'm indispensable. Brother Jason can take over right now. I drop dead, he can take over. But I want to tell you something, friend. I don't believe God's finished with me. And I sure don't want to die, Brother Underwood, bitter. And I sure don't want to die losing my joy. So try to drain if you want to, but praise God, I hope I keep filling up with the joy of the Lord. What percentage of your conversation is cheerful? Full of faith. Number five, under what percent of your... Uh, conversations do you bring a reference to Je your longer conversations you bring a reference to Jesus God's goodness and scripture I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it very discreetly if you can talk all day and never mention the name of Jesus you need to get right with God come on Peyton say amen right there okay you talk all day about Tennessee you better throw Jesus in there somewhere and if I rooted for Tennessee, I'd say, Lord, help me, Jesus. No. <laughs> he don't know whether to smile or run. But I, I want you to know this, friend. God help us to stop talking about this virus all the time and all this violence all the time. And why don't we talk about Jesus most of the time? Say amen. And I want to tell you something, folks. We need to change our conversation. We don't need to get obsessed by it. You know, 
I'm going to die any minute. Well, don't stop acting like it. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise God, heaven's next. Don't rush it. What percentage of your longer conversations bring reference? And last but not least, or next to last, not least, is your conversations reveal to you uh, that you're gracious and sociable or you're silent and withdrawn? Do you reveal to that you have a warm personality and person who constantly uh, dispense blessings or a severe and morose um, persona that scatters gloom? Are you a quiet and cheerful person or a loud and boisterous person? Are you a good listener or an excessive talker? I better say old me right there. Are you about to maintain confidence or do you frequently gossip and self-centered? Are you a promoter of unity or a divisive person? You say, preacher, you're preaching to the choir. I know, but God put this message on my heart. I'm going to preach it. And this is a series, so thank God. And last but not least, what percent of your conversations are constructive and edifying? I want to say this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you measure your heart by your words. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for giving my voice back just a few minutes ago so I could preach this. But God, most important of all, I need to live it. And God, I pray that you control what you said no man can control, my tongue, my reactions, my attitude. When I'm hurt, when I'm criticized, when I'm rebuked, when I'm not followed, when I'm rebelled against, God, help me not to say what comes to mind, but God help me to get my heart right that I might love and that I might exhort, that I might encourage and that I might pray for the person that might be hurting me. God help us all. God help us all to realize our words one day at the judgment seat of Christ are going to come out. And God, that because of our words, we can examine our hearts. Because you said, out of the issues of the heart cometh words. And God, help us never to be idle, vain, empty in our words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.